next video. Check, check. Good evening, New Hope Community Church and friends. How's everybody doing tonight? If we can make our way back to our seats so that we can praise the Lord and step into what God has called us to do. So we can start making our way back to your seat so that we can receive tonight. Thank you, thank you guys for coming to our Friday night service. Uh, I'm excited to see what God is going to do in this building tonight. And I'm excited to see what God is going to take this service tonight. I'm very excited for people who come on Friday, just give you a rundown. Our service starts on Sunday at 10 o'clock, 1030, I'm sorry, 1030 on Sundays. So be here at 10 o'clock if you want, you know, come hang out, fellowship, and, and meet some new people and meet some new faces. So are we ready to praise the Lord tonight? I'm excited, I'm excited, I'm excited because we don't need anything to worship God. We don't have to do anything to worship God. We can sit here in silence and worship God, but what I want you guys to do is talk to God tonight. I want you guys to actually get a relationship with God tonight as we step into worship tonight. Talk to him. Speak to him. Ask him what he wants from you. Ask him what he, want, what he wants you to do. Talk to him. Ask him questions. Just, just, it's, this is a conversation. He wants, to, he wants to get closer with you guys. So I'm asking you guys just to, just to relieve and empty yourselves so that you can gain what God has for us in this building. Right? So if we can open up in prayer and just give our Lord just some honor in this building tonight because he has done so much for all of us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you know, I thank you so much, Father. I thank you for doing so, many, so much in our lives, Lord. So Father, I ask that you just allow us to just receive the night, Lord. Father, I ask that we all just come into the night, Father, so that we can gain what you have for us. Lord, thank you for the blessings you have given us, Father. Thank you for waking us up today. Thank you for showing us your love. Father, I ask that you just change this atmosphere right now, Lord. Change this atmosphere, Father. Allow your spirit to fall fresh on us, Father. We want to be lit by your fire tonight, Lord. We want to be lit by your fire tonight, Father. Lord, we thank you. Turn graves into gardens. Bones into armies, turn seasons highways. You're the only one who can. I searched the world, but it 
treasured in faith, but never enough. Lord, then you came along and put me back together. And every desire is now satisfied. Yo! Oh. 
go into this next song some of you who may not know it's it's an original uh, it come, came from this church and I just want to let you guys understand it's called When I Pray and it was written at a time when Chris, my wife, she was going through a lot of health issues and the doctors were saying it's like super horrible with her kidneys, it's never going to get better we didn't have any positive results we didn't have anything good to come from it you know, and it was a very difficult time for her faith, you know, a difficult time for me as well. And we just had to like come together as a unit and we had to just speak the truth of God to ourselves. And we had to say, no, like we're going to continue to pray because we understand what happens when we pray. And we know that our God is faithful and that he's going to take care of us no matter what we're going through. And so we wrote, like I wrote this and we started to sing it as a team and we wrote it before there were any positive results. You know, the doctor said that, you know, she was only going to get worse. She wasn't going to get better. And we didn't have a miraculous healing where it was like, you know, okay, her kidneys are back to 100% function, but they said it was only going to get worse and it got better. 
you know what I mean, by a margin. It got better, you know what I mean? So it's just like, I believe that, you know, for anyone that needs breakthrough, no matter what it is, as we sing the song, let's remember why we pray. Let's remember that there's power in prayer. There's power in the name of Jesus. It's the will of God for us to, to call out. He just says to ask and that we can receive from him if we truly believe in our heart of hearts, you know? And so I just believe as we come together that even right now, like, you know, I'm talking about something for health, but there may be something, you may be in bondage. There may be something going on inside of you, in your family, something like in the workplace, just something, and you need God, you know? And let's remember, and let's, let's call out to God. Let's lay some things down tonight and believe that when we pray, he will hear us and we'll be amazed in the way that he answers and we won't be shaken because he is our rock and he is our foundation. We know how to fight in this church. We know how to fight the fight of faith and that's what we're gonna do in every situation that comes our way. Amen. Sing my song when my body's ready. 
was a, a man, a prophet by the name of John the Baptist, and he was baptizing people with water, and he was preparing them for the coming of Jesus. And they asked him, they said, are you the Christ? Are you the one that God sent? He said, no. He said, there's one that's coming after me. He's mightier than I am. I'm not even worthy to let the, to loosen the strap on his sandals. And I baptize with water, but he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. There's a, a fire that comes when the Spirit flows. There's a fire that comes from heaven, and it's a consuming fire, and it's a purifying fire. And it, it comes into your life, and it begins to burn out those things that are unclean and, and burn out those all the guilt and the shame and all the struggles and all the just ickiness that we carry around, the stuff that we get through life. It's a, it's a fire that comes upon you. 
and a fire that can never be consumed. But the Holy Spirit never forces himself on anybody. He's a gentleman. But for those that are hungry that would say, Lord, send the fire. Send the fire, Lord. We need the fire. We need the fire of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that he might set us aflame and burn anything out of us that stands in opposition of who he would have us be. Because who he would have us be is our true self. That's the person that we're supposed to be. It's not the person that we were in the world, the mistakes we make. It's that son, it's that daughter of God that we were truly created to be. So if you want to today, I would just encourage you before we end this time of praise and worship, want the Lord to just send the fire I would just raise up your hands just in a sign of just saying Lord I, I want I want everything that you have for me Lord I pray for that fresh that fresh fresh fire Lord I pray for a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit and I pray for fire in Jesus name we just receive we receive your fire right now in the name of Jesus we just receive yes Lord yes Lord yes Lord yes Lord, yes, Lord. thank you Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you. We honor you. We glorify you. All we have is yours. All we have is yours. We thank you for this holy moment. Have your way. Have your way in our church. Have your way in our lives. Have your way in our families. Lord, we know your way is better. Your way is better. We don't want to walk in stale religious traditions. We don't want to stand with one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world we want more of you less of me Lord allow our spirits to decrease allow your Holy Spirit to increase in every one of our lives tonight in the mighty name of Jesus and everybody said, amen. Maybe say a better amen. 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 You guys may be seated. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
I can have our ushers come forward. We're just going to continue and take our offering for tonight. If you would rather give electronically, we have some ways that you could do that. We have a text to give, fournewhope.org. We're going to have to update that. We have a Venmo app. If you want to give, we don't want to make it hard for you. Book of Acts chapter 20. Verse 33. The Apostle Paul was talking to these elders and he says, I want you to remember the, the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than receive, but I think like most of us would say, yeah, it's more blessed to receive than give. We want to be on the end to, to give, but even if somebody gave you a million dollars, would it be better to get the million dollars or would it be better to have the person be the person that has the ability to give a million dollars, right? It's better to give than to receive because if I receive, that's great. I have something. But when I give, that giving is a seed. It's a seed that I sow. And as I sow that seed, according to God's word, he says he multiplies that in a kingdom so as I give that seed is multiplied when I receive when I consume it that's all that I'll ever get out of that but God wants to bring us into a blessed place and by faith if you start believing that you're blessed if you start believing that you're not a, a needy person but you're a person who meets other people's needs when you start believing God and you start confessing that you're going to be a lender and not a borrower. That you're not going to be a person who just is a person to come to, to, to take and a person to receive. But no, I'm going to be that person. I'm going to be that person to give. And, and when you start operating like that by faith, then it just brings you up to a higher level. But if you're always in a place, you're always going to be praying for your next need to be met, praying that somebody will give you something and saying that, you know what, I just, I just don't have money to give. You'll receive. God will bless you. God will take care of all your needs. But you won't, won't learn what it is to be truly blessed. To, be, to have that ability to be able to give. To be able to help people. That's where it's at. Lord Jesus, I thank you for all that you've given us poured out your very life, your life's blood on that cross. And because you give, we're givers. So Lord, I just pray for the offering tonight. I just pray that you would just multiply according to your word every seed that's sown. Lord, and I thank you that everything that we need for this church, the money for repairs, the money for the ministries that are going to be started, the ministries that are going to be launched the disaster relief everything that we do as a ministry lord we thank you that the money is already there and we claim it in jesus name amen amen the ushers make their way around
ahead and we'll get into tonight's message. Thank you, worship team. Wonderful job as always. Could we give a get a round of applause for our worship team, please? They don't really do it for us or do it for applause. They do it as worship unto the Lord, but we get blessed by it. We get blessed by it. So I, I've, I've been doing this series of messages called That Church. And again, just to recap, it's just all about why does the church exist? Why have a church? Right? Some people say, well, you know, I'll go and I'll worship God in the woods or I'll stay at home and worship God. And, you know, you could do that and you could be saved, although the Bible says that we should gather and I could give you lots of good reasons, but... I want to focus on why we are here as a church. So I just want to read our mission statement. I've been reading it um, every week, and I just want to get it down into our heart, into our spirit, so that we understand. It says, the mission of New Hope Church is to build community by reaching the lost, healing the broken, and equipping people to live out the calling of God for their lives, for His kingdom to come and His will will be done. So, so far we've talked at, at, at length um, about the, this concept of building community, what biblical community looks like. We've talked about reaching the lost. We've talked about healing the broken and creating that environment for healing um, in the church. And this past Sunday we started uh, to discuss um, calling and purpose. Um, that's the part where we say that we want to equip people to live out the calling of God for their lives. And so I, I want you to know that my goal as a, a pastor is not just to build a crowd. That's not the goal of this church. Yes, we love when the church is full. Uh, we want to see people get saved. We, we love that. There's something special happening. There's a corporate anointing. I, I love to fill this building and I don't think God gave us a big building for it to sit empty amen I think that the reason is for it to be full but I don't want to just build a crowd so a crowd can come and gather and then just disperse I want to be able to encourage equip and empower the people that come here to be all that God called them to be that's what I want to do so thank you God has a plan, and you are part of that plan. We started talking about that Sunday. So just say that with me. Say, God has a plan, and I am part of that plan. God has a plan, and you are part of that plan. And so today my message is called, Don't Bury Your Gift. Don't bury your gift. I'm going to go ahead and pray, and we're going to get to work. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I pray that you would add a blessing to your word. Lord, I pray that you would give me the words to speak. I pray that the words that I speak would build up your church, that they would encourage them, them. They would equip them and they would edify them to be everything that you called them to be. Lord, I pray that a faith would arise in this church. I pray that old dreams would be dusted off and be brought back out, Lord. I, I pray that every person in here would do great exploits for the Lord. And Lord, I thank you that it starts right here, in Jesus' name, amen. So Wednesday, during the day, we had probably one of the largest funerals, if not the largest funeral that I ever had in here. 
it was a Wednesday afternoon. Uh, we had it about 12 o'clock, and I just assumed that there wouldn't be that many people here. I assumed people had to work and whatever, but this place was packed. I mean, this whole church was full on, on Wednesday, and I, I'm not going to lie to you and say that I really enjoy officiating funerals. It's not like, okay, well, you got to officiate a funeral, and I'm like, yes, I get to be at a funeral. Awesome. You know, it, it's, it's actually very draining because I, I, um, I don't know what you would really call it, but like I, I'm very in touch with people's emotions. And so when I'm in a whole room of a lot of people that are sad, although, you know, I, I, can, I can call on an anointing and a strength from God, but after everything's over I'm actually very drained because just the the feeling and 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 the sentiment um, in the room but God showed me one day because it was like at one point I was doing like so many funerals and it was just brutal and it just it seemed like you know um, everybody was like calling me and, and asking me to help with their their funeral and I try to say yes because I feel like it's a service that I want to offer to the community and I feel like they're already struggling you know with somebody dying and that you know if I can be a help and kind of lift that burden a little bit I, I, I want to um, and I was I was kind of somewhat complaining to the Lord about it and I was kind of praying and I was like Lord I don't want to do all these funerals like can we like can they like call somebody else and can I you know can we just like maybe hit a pause button on all the people dying for a little bit? And, and the Lord spoke to me and, and kind of in that still small voice and just spoke, spoke to me in my heart and said, you know, when you're preaching on Sunday, most of the people you're preaching to are believers. They're Christians. But when you preach at a funeral, most of the people are unbelievers. And their hearts are pretty tender at that time. And and uh, I think that they have their own mortality in view um, at that time. And so it's actually an opportunity to really preach the gospel to a pretty captive audience. You know, like they're there. They kind of feel like they have to be there to pay their respects to their family member. But really, like, funerals are for the living. Because the person who died, you know, I mean, if they're in Christ, they're, they're where they need to be. If they're not, then... You know, you know where they're at, but I just want to give you a praise report. Just here on Wednesday at a funeral, four people accepted the Lord uh, for the first time. You know, so you talk about, you know, graves in the gardens and, you know, beauty in the ashes. You know, I was thinking about it when they, uh, when they did that first song. But uh, so we finished the service and um, we, we got in, I, I got into the car um, with the, the funeral director, and he was kind of leading the procession to go uh, to the cemetery, and, and, and we were going to the cemetery where we were about to do the committal part of the service, you know, kind of the graveside part of the service, and so I'm riding up, and we're riding through the cemetery, you know, and, and I don't know if you're like me, but I'm, but I'm looking at the cemetery, and I'm looking at the people's names, kind of you know on the tombstones and 
And for a second, I'm like, you know, you read somebody's name and you're like, I, I wonder what that person looked like. I wonder where they worked. I wonder what their life was like, you know, and you can kind of look to see the, the time that they lived, how old they were. And, you know, and it just, I don't know, it just seems unfair to me that you live a whole life and then like it just ends up like there's just a rock, like with your name on it, you know, and, and that represents the whole life that that you lived it, it just doesn't seem to like tell the story you know um and you know I, I did a funeral the week before i did a funeral this week and you know i just you just realize that life goes fast uh, the bible talks about that that life is that your life is like a vapor like it it, it appears and then it, it kind of it, it vanishes away and, and I thought about what I heard one time when I was riding through this graveyard that the graveyard is the richest place on earth. And you wonder, like, why would a graveyard be the richest place on earth? Because buried in those graves are dreams that were never lived out. There's songs that never have been sung right they had a song in their heart they never wrote it they never sang it they never produced it there's books that were never written there were businesses ideas for businesses that never were started there were ideas that could have helped people and and transformed whole communities there were ministries that were never launched that people literally they never lived it out and they took it to their grave I don't know about you, but I don't want to have any regrets at the end of my life. I don't want to be the old man sitting on the rocking chair, sitting on a bench somewhere saying, you know what, I, I could have did this and I should have did this, but I didn't do it. I had the opportunity to do this and, and I had this idea to start this business, but I never did it. I had this idea that, that I was going to, I was going to write a, a script for a movie, but, but I never did it. I, I, I could have did it and I should have did it, but I didn't do it. I don't want to, I don't want to have that at the end of my life. I, I want to do everything that God called me to do. I want to be everything that God called me to be. I want to possess everything that God says that I should possess. But most people in life, they don't accomplish their dreams. And there's a lot of reasons for it. Sometimes people feel like, I just don't have enough money. I would do that, but I don't have the money. And I can tell you, there's really nothing that I've ever started or done that I had the money for it. And that's the truth. I, I, I would do something, and, and when we went to buy that house across the street, I had no money. I had no money. But instead, I mean, I had a lawyer calling to see how much money they wanted for the house. But I had no money anyway, like, you know. But I knew God was in it. And a lot of people, they, they, they stop short. They stop from starting a business. They stop from doing something because they feel like, you know what, I would do it, but I just don't have the money. And, and one day I'll have the money, but they just don't ever do it. 
And sometimes you feel like you, you just don't have the talent. I, I, I would do it, but I just I don't have the right education. I, I don't know the right people. I don't have the right connections. So we kind of stop from doing what God called us to do. A lot of times we're just scared to fail. We're scared that if we step out and we fail, that everybody will see it and it'll be embarrassing. And all the people that didn't think you could do it, that said you couldn't do it, you don't want to prove them right. So you step out and you don't want to fail. But if you, if you show me a person who have never failed at anything, I'll show you a failure. Because most people who achieve anything great, it's because they failed more times than they succeeded. And, and, and a failure isn't necessarily, it's, it's not who you are, it's something that you've done. And a lot of times that's how we find our way by trying something and doing it and it doesn't work and you're like okay well at least I know what not to do and then you do the next thing and you try that and that puts you on a right path but you'll never get there if you're scared of failure sometimes you listen to the wrong counsel and listen to the wrong people you're around negative people and, and I'm going to tell you something there's there's very few people who will applaud your successes. There's very few people who really will be happy for you when you do good. People say that they want you to do good, but they don't want you to do better than them. So, so, so a lot of times people will give you really bad advice. Nah, don't do that. You're, you're not going to make it. Don't. Don't go on that trip, you know, don't go on that cruise, you know, I know somebody, they went on a cruise, they all got sick, they were all throwing up, don't go on that missions trip, you don't know, you might get killed, you might never come back, don't, do, don't start a business, my, my uncle started a business and he, the whole house went bankrupt, don't buy, a real, don't buy any real estate, you know, mortgage interest rates are too high and you know, you don't want to get stuck with something. You listen to the wrong people and have the wrong counsel. You need to have people of faith around you. You need to have people that, that cheer you on and truly want to see you do good. So watch the people that you listen to in your life because if you just listen to people telling you you can't do it, then you'll never do anything. I shared with you the bad counsel. I'll tell you what, the bad advice that I've got being a pastor is unbelievable. Because I started pastoring the church when I was 35 years old. And every unsuccessful 70-year-old pastor wanted to sit me down and tell me exactly how to do it. You know? And, and it's like, I'm not trying to be unkind, but, you know, if you've been pastoring a church for... 35 years and you've never had more than 20 people in your congregation like I don't really know that I want to take your advice You got to be very careful of the people that you know look at the fruit of their life You know look at the fruit of their life a lot of people want to give you tell you what you should do A lot of people want to run your life for you Does this person really have the life skills and have they really done something that earns them the right to speak into your life? So sometimes we don't follow our dreams because of the simple fact that people have given us the wrong counsel. 
Sometimes we just keep waiting for that perfect time. And listen, there is a timing with the things of God. But if you wait till everything gets perfect in your life, then you will never do it because there will always be an area of your life that kind of gets off kilter. There's never a perfect time. There's better times and, and, and there is, sometimes it's wisdom to wait a little bit. But what happens is people wait and they wait and they wait and they wait and they wait and then they get to the place where they just can't do it because they missed their window. They just say, you know what, I'm going to do it someday. I'm going to go get this someday. And guess what? Someday never comes. So they wait too long. And they never accomplish what God called them to do. And I want you guys to accomplish everything that God called you to do. So I want us to open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. And we're going to start in verse 14. And I want to show you... A, a parable from God's perspective about how God feels about you accomplishing the purpose that he has for you in life. I'll give you a, a minute to get there. Matthew 25, verse 14. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Bless you. If you're there, say amen. Amen. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. All right, so let's just get in the proper mind state. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Who is the man that traveled to a far country? His name is Jesus. He ascended to be with the Father. He was with the, he was with the disciples three, three and a half years. And then he was crucified, buried, resurrected, appeared to people for 40 days. And then he ascended to be with the Father. He traveled to a far country. And he called his own servants. His own servants refers to us. We are the servants. And it says that he delivered his goods to them. And I want you to really get this, that it's very important that you understand that everything that you have is from the Lord. The very breath in your lungs, the, the fact that your heart beats without somebody telling it to, right? All of that is in the Lord's hands. Your very life is in his hands. And, and when you realize that everything that you have comes from the Lord your time your treasure your talents your ability the resources you have everything is the Lord's right the, the the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof everything is owned by the Lord so a man travels to a far country and he gives goods to his servants so Jesus travels, goes back to be with the Father. He gives us gifts. And he expects us to use them. Let's go on to verse 15. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, 
to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Now talents was a form of money. It was a great deal of money. If you have a NIV, it will say bags of gold. But it was a great amount of wealth that was given. And some people were given five. Some people were given two. And some people were given one. And it says that they were given different talents according to their own ability. So different people, different servants of God are given various level of talents. And people would say, well, that's not really fair. And they'd say, well, if, if everybody's given different levels of talents, then I want to be a five talent person. But be careful what you ask for. Do you know that with great wealth comes great responsibility? You say, you know what, well, I, I'd like to have great wealth, but you have a responsibility if you have great wealth. As a matter of fact, in a book of James, it says that some people's wealth is going to testify against them. Do you ever know anybody that they're wealthy, but they're cheap? It's like controls them. Now they're scared to, they're, they're, they're scared to lose everything. I had uh, extremely wealthy people, you know, and, and, and I reached out to them and I never asked them for anything. And I said, hey, we are, you know, we're, we're, going, to, we're going to start this women's maternity home. And I, and I really believed in it. And I said, you know, will you help us? These are people that are multi-millionaires, millionaires over and over again. And they'd be like, yeah, we'll help. And they give you 50 bucks. But, you know, they, they live in million-dollar houses and drive 100. It, you know, it's their money. They don't have to give it. But they will give an account of the money and how they spent it if they used it for the kingdom of God or they used it for their own personal gain. You can't take it with you. And the, the talent could point to leadership responsibility. To whom much is given, much is required. And I can tell you that there is a cost with response. There, there, there's a cost to being, uh, to being in leadership. There's a cost to being in charge of people. With leadership comes greater responsibility, greater accountability. It also says in the book of James that not, people should, not many people should desire to be teachers because they're going to be held to a higher standard of judgment. So you could say that, you know, it's not fair, like I want to be the five-talent person, but know that there's a greater level of responsibility. The more that God gives you, the more that He will require of you. But according to his plan and according to his sovereignty, he has given different people varying amounts of resources to use for his kingdom. Let's look at verse 16. It says, then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and he made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug it in the ground and he hid the Lord's money. 
She had two people. One man has five talents. One man has two talents. One man is only given one. The one who gives five takes it and invests it, does work. He multiplies it, gets another five. The other one takes two, works it, multiplies it. He's given another two. The other one says, I'm gonna just going to take it. I'm going to hold on to what I have. I'm going to bury it. And he buries his talent into the ground. But then verse 19, it says, After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The Bible says that it is appointed to man once to die, and then comes the judgment. Did you know that there is a judgment for believers? That we will be judged according to our works. Whether we did them for God or whether we did them for ourselves. And it said the works that we do ourselves, they're going to be burned up like wood, hay, and stubble. But the things that we did for God will go on with us. That we will take our reward with us into eternity. And so these men are judged at the judgment. They're judged on, okay... This is what you're given. And I want you to understand that you're never going to be judged according to what you weren't given. You're never going to be judged according to another person. One of the worst things that you can do in your life is to compare your situation to another person. Comparison is one of the worst things that you could do. Saying, you know what, I wish that I could be like this person and why is that person like that and and I want this and I want that you're not called to run somebody else's race you're called to run your race you're not going to be called to, to in comparison that what somebody else accomplished what you're going to be called uh, to be accountable for is what did you do with the things that God gave you were you faithful to that were you faithful to what he's called you to do the resources that he put in front of you it's not about somebody else like I'm not gonna be judged like I'm not gonna go to judgment and like Billy Graham's gonna be sitting there like laughing at me like yeah that guy you know I won more guys to Christ than he did in a whole year and they're gonna be like all right well hey too bad for you right Billy Graham was given a calling I'm given a calling and I'm still running my race so I might beat old Billy by the time it's all said and done. Who knows? But you're going to be judged for what you've done, period. Let's go to verse 20. It says, So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. And the Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. And he said to them, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord of the Lord notice one had five and he made five one only had two and he only made two but guess what they both got the same reward well done good and faithful servant 
You've been faithful with what you're given. I'm going to make you ruler of many things. I believe that this points to the millennial reign of Christ. That there's going to be positions, there's going to be things that you're going to be doing in the kingdom of God. And the way that you serve God, the way that you poured out for Him, is going to depend on where you're going to be positioned in the millennial reign of Christ. So it's not like we're all just going to be you know, rewarded equally. What did you do for the kingdom of God? And don't get me wrong, you know, it would, it, it's, it's still going to be awesome even if you were like a janitor in heaven, you know, like, man, you didn't do anything, man. We're going to make you, we're going to make, if there even needs to be a janitor in heaven, I don't know, it's probably clean already. But my point is, is that even to be low man on the totem pole in heaven is going to be awesome. But there is going to be positions and there is going to be works and there are going to be things that we're going to do. You're not just going to be some chubby angel floating around on a cloud in a diaper. There's going to be cities. There's going to be work that we're going to be doing uh, in the kingdom of God. Jesus is going to be ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. And what you do here in this life, you'll take into the next life. You'll take in eternity. And if life is short... Doesn't it make sense to pour out all we can in this life so that we can have a greater eternity? Anyway, some of you guys are like, nah, I'm good. Verse 24, then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I need, knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent into the ground. Look, you have what's yours. I took it and I hid it. I didn't make any mistakes. I didn't fail. I didn't, I didn't lose anything. I still have what you gave me. I didn't multiply it. I didn't develop it. I didn't do anything with it. But I still have it. Because I was scared. I was scared I was going to lose. And the Lord's response is quite harsh. Verse 26, but his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. It's a bad day when somebody calls you wicked and lazy. You wicked and lazy servant. You know that I reap where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. You ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. Not only did the unprofitable servant who, who, who buried his talent, not only did he lose the little bit that he had, but the person who was using what they had and wasn't scared to step out and, and, and use what they were given, they were given even more. They were given what he had as well. And the main thing about why the servant failed is because he was afraid. He was afraid. And fear is the opposite of faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. When you walk by fear, what you're doing is you're looking forward. Faith looks forward and sees the promises of God. Fear looks forward and sees the worst case scenario. Well, I'm just scared that that, that, that this might happen, that I might lose my money, that I might not 
I might not, the, the next job I get might not be a good job. I'm scared if I go overseas, how are the people going to respond? I'm scared if I start a ministry that nobody's going to come. I'm scared, I'm afraid. And he was afraid to lose, so he ended up losing everything. And if you're afraid to lose, you will lose everything. Because you're going to be so scared to step out that you're never ever going to do anything. And ultimately, it's those who never step out and never take that chance that actually become the greatest failures of all because they are the people that end up on the rocking chair saying, you know what? I could have, I should have, but I didn't. You know, I can remember the first time that I ever preached a message. I really didn't want to. I was terrified. What are people going to think? You know, I, I didn't, you know, I, I've studied the word a lot more and I was studying it back then too, but there were some things that I weren't, wasn't solidified on and, and to some degree you, you continue to learn. But what, I didn't want to preach. We, I had a guy scheduled to preach and um, we didn't have a pastor. We were in between pastors at that time. I was just serving at the church. I didn't have any official titles. But I was on our church board and um, the pastor's wife died. Or not his wife, his mother died. And so his mother died on a Friday and he was supposed to come preach on Sunday. And there was no one to preach. And I reached out to our district supervisor and I said, Hey Dawn, I need, I need you to send somebody out here to preach. And he said, I don't have anybody to send. I said, well, what are we going to do on church? You know, we have to have church on Sunday. He said, I guess you're preaching next Sunday. I said, I, I don't know how to preach. I've never had any training. I don't, you know, I, I don't, I'm scared of what people are going to think. I'm scared of what they're going to say. What if I mess something up? What if I, what if I say something? And, you know, there, there's always kind of those, those church people that are just waiting for that one second for you to misspeak. So you can say, I got him. He said something wrong. I'm going to tell everybody and send them a nasty email. I am the, I am the critiquer of the pastor. Right? There's always that, that guy out there, you know. And you're like, man, like, I, don't want, I don't want the critiquer of the pastor to send me an email on Monday. And tell everybody I'm a heretic. Because I just said something wrong. And I was scared. But I had a choice at that moment. Be scared, don't get up there and speak. And guess what, if I didn't get up there and speak, I, I wouldn't be able to misspeak a word. I wouldn't have anybody laughing at me. Nobody could say that, you know, that you're terrible as a preacher. I remember there was this, uh, there was this couple and they came to church and uh, she was talking to me and it was a couple years, you know, I, I had been preaching and pastoring the church and I was just sitting there talking to her and she's like, yeah, I remember first couple times you were, you preached, you were horrible. It's like, wow, thanks. Appreciate that. Oh no, but you're good now. But back then you were horrible. But if I never stepped out, nobody would ever be able to tell that I was horrible. They wouldn't be able to tell if I was good or if I was bad. I wouldn't make a mistake. I wouldn't use the wrong scripture. I wouldn't have 
you know, Daniel in the furnace when he wasn't even in the fiery furnace. I wouldn't, you know, I, would, you know, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't make any of those mistakes. But maybe if I didn't step up, then I wouldn't be here now. In order for me to preach a good sermon, I got to preach a bad sermon first, right? I got to, I got to learn. I, I have to learn. I have to step out. I have to have faith. And, and, and there's times where I just, and, and I still have to do it today. I have to say, Lord, you have to help me here. This wasn't my idea. This was your idea. And so if you don't help me, then I'm going to make a fool out of us. But guess what? God is faithful. God is faithful. He told Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. He says it again and again. Joshua had these, these big shoes to fill. Moses was dead. Moses was this revered leader of Israel. And now Joshua had to step up and, and he had to be the leader. God begins speaking to him. And he said, be strong. Be courageous. Go forward. Don't be scared. I'm going to be with you every step of the way. That's the way that we need to live our life. Faith over fear. Tom got his shirt on. We had faith over fear. I remember when, when COVID hit and COVID was, you know, um, everything was shut down and, and, and it was, you know, a couple weeks and, I, and I'm like, man, we got to open the church. And I wish I could say that it was just some easy, you know, some easy decision but I love people and I didn't want somebody to come in here and, and get sick and die. You know, that, that's like, you know, it, it was in the back of my mind like, okay, like you're going to open up the church and we did. We closed for six weeks. We were open very early. Pence, Beaver County was still in the red. And we opened up, no mask, no social distancing, no nothing, praying for people laying hands on him, just believe in God. But I had it in the back, you know, it was in the back of my mind. You know, that this, this person's going to come into church and, you know, you only need one person. They're going to get COVID. You're going to have a super spreader event. A bunch of people are going to die. They're going to come and put you on the news. You're going to be the church that, you know, that, that like killed everybody's grandma. I mean, it was a real... It was a real fear. But in that moment, the Lord spoke to me and he said, be strong and be courageous. Trust, believe. Believe me. Just, just go to church and, and believe me to protect everybody. Believe God that, that if you're doing what I called you to do, to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. If you just do what, what, what I called you to do, then I will protect my people. It's not your job to protect people. That's my job. It's not your job to heal people. That's my job. Be strong and be courageous. And so we opened up our church. And, and trust me, I heard a bunch of flack and a bunch of people said something. I can't believe you're doing this. I can't believe that you're just opening your church and you're not making people wear masks. And you guys are all hugging and you're acting like there's nothing going on. But the Lord said, be strong and be courageous. And you know, from this congregation, we didn't lose not one person to COVID. Not one not one and trust me there were some people that 
were coming to church every week that weren't exactly a beautiful picture of health. But guess what? They were praising God and we had to be strong and courageous. And, you know, looking back on hindsight, I know that that was the right decision because our church actually grew during COVID while a whole bunch of other churches died. I think they said about 4,000 churches died during the time, uh, you know, af like after COVID. They just, their doors closed and they never opened up again. Or they tried to open up and the people got so comfortable just sitting at home watching things online that they never came back to church and they died. So we had a choice. Be strong and courageous. Believe in the Lord. Overcome your fear. Have faith. And guess what? It, things worked out. And God multiplied us. That's the way that you have to be in life. You have to be courageous. You have to take chances. You have to step out. Like you're going you're gonna to feel like you hear a word from the Lord and there's always going to be that little voice in the back of your mind like, do you really want to do this? Don't you think you're going to fail? You're going to mess up. It's always there. You have to push it back. You have to push it out of your mind. You have to say, get behind me, Satan. I'm going to walk in faith. I would rather, I would rather try something and I would rather step out and try something great and fail than to never try at all. Verse 29, for everyone who has more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. God expects you to use what you've been given to build the kingdom of God. If you're good at organization, Organize for the glory of God. If you can sing, sing to the glory of God, right? If you are, or if you are wealthy, then give to build the kingdom. If you can prophesy, then prophesy to the glory of God. If you have compassion for people, be compassionate to the glory of God. If God's given you a gift of encouragement, encourage people. If he's given you a, a, a good marriage, then help people with their marriage. Whatever God has given you, Use it to build his kingdom and more will be given to you. But if you don't use it, then even what you have will be taken away. Because it may if he given gave gave you a talent and you don't use it, then it, he may as well not even gave it to you in the first place. Because you buried it and you didn't use it. And you were too busy doing the things of this world, or maybe saying one day, someday, when things slow down. Then I'll, then, then I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll start coming to church more when things slow down. None of us is promised tomorrow. Look at what you have. What did God give you? What talents did God give you? What have you been good at ever since you were a little kid? Where did you gravitate towards? Everybody has... Everybody has talents and abilities that God has given them. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
fearfully and wonderfully made. God doesn't make any mistakes. And the thing about it is, when you give it to God, God multiplies what you have. He doesn't ask you to give Him what you don't have. Think about the fishes and loaves. There's 5,000 people out here, Jesus. They're all hungry. They didn't get a chance to have dinner. Neither did I get a chance to have dinner tonight. But anyway, um, they, they didn't have dinner. They didn't eat. We need to send them home. Jesus is like, no, we're going to feed them. Uh, we don't have enough money to feed them. No, we're going to feed them. What do you have? Uh, there's a boy here. He's got a couple fishes and a couple loaves. All right, give me, give me what he has. And you give God what you have, and God takes it, and he multiplies it into his kingdom. You're not here alone. If God called you to do something, he's not going to call you to fail. They asked the widow, they said, they, there, there was a widow that was starving. The, the prophet Elijah went to her, said, what are you doing? She said, uh, I, I, got enough, I got enough flour. I'm going to make me and my son a cake. And then we're going to eat it and go die. And he's like, well, you know, give me something first. It's like, I'm going to get, I'm going to get, I, I, I just said that's all I have. See, you give it to the Lord. And, and Elijah was serving as a prophet of God. And the woman gave him first. And then he said, well, what do you have in your house? I just got a cruise of oil. Well, go around, gather containers. Go around to all the people. Get all the oil that you can. And that oil just did not run dry. What are you going to give to the Lord? When you give to the Lord... He will provide for you. He will multiply into His kingdom. There was a, a man that I knew that uh, he was a military brat. and He was stationed. Uh, his parents were stationed in Japan for a season. And he said that uh, he got to Japan and, and, and there was all these different kind of sights there and all these different things and um and there and there was a man that was he had like these uh birds in a cage and they were small birds they were in a cage and and he would walk past and he saw that this guy was selling them and he said to the man you know uh you know how how much for the the bird in a cage the guy said a hundred yen it's okay so he, he he saved up enough money and and he went down and he, he gave the man the money and he was happy and he took this little bird in his cage and he started walking away with it. And the guy said, hey, don't, don't forget to bring the cage back. And he's like, well, I can't really bring, I'm not going to take the bird home and eat it. I, how am I going to take the bird home and give you the cage back? Then I won't have anywhere to put the bird. And the man said, no, that's, we, we, we don't buy them to take them home. You bought that bird so you can take it to the edge of the mountain and you can release it. And all of a sudden he's like, well, that's pretty stupid. I just spent my money on a bird. I thought I was getting, getting to take this bird home and I was going to have a new pet. But you're telling me I paid the money just so I can take the bird to the edge of the, the hill and just release it? 
guy said, yeah, that's what, that's what you paid for. He says, all right. So he, he takes this bird in a cage and he takes it to the edge and he opens it up and the bird kind of hops over to the edge and he nudges it out. And all of a sudden the bird takes off out of the cage. And he just watched that bird and its new freedom, right? This bird was caged up. And he just sees the bird flying around. And all of a sudden he's just watching this bird fly in the sky and go higher and higher and higher. And right then he got it. He got it. How awesome it was to allow that bird to get its freedom. What if you guys decided tonight that you were going to release the dreams that are inside of you? Those things that you have buried inside of you. What if you made that decision that you weren't going to wait another day? That, that every dream, every, every hope that God has put in you, every talent, that you were going to make that decision, that you weren't going to bury your gift, that you were going to let that release and let it fly. All the, all the untapped power that you have inside of you, that you were going to let it out. All the unfulfilled dreams that, that you were going to let them out. All the gifts that God has given you, that you were going to let them out. All the talent that God has put in you, that you were going to develop it and you were going to let it out. All the energy, you were going to burn it out for the kingdom of God. All the, the, the successes that you had, you were going to let all that out. All that you can become and all that you want to do. Don't bury your gifts. Don't, don't bury your talents. Be strong and courageous. So on that day when you stand in front of the Lord, you're going to hear this. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful with a few things. Now in eternity, I'm going to make you in charge of many things. Many things. Let's pray. Lord, I felt for a very long time that there is so much untapped talent and potential in this church. That this isn't a church of followers. This is a church of leaders. This is a church of powerful men and women of God. Lord, I pray first of all that we would get over our insecurities and our doubts and we would realize that it's not about us. It's not about us. It's all about you. It's all about building your kingdom. Lord, I pray that you would make us strong and you would make us courageous. You would make us people of faith, not people of doubt. I pray that everything would be released tonight. every bit of unfulfilled potential to be released in Jesus' name. Lord, help us to not 
be like everybody else. Help us to not be spectators. Help us to not be on the sidelines. Help us not to be distracted by busyness, by things that aren't important. Lord, help us to step out so that we might hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you guys want to stand to your feet, and we're going to sing one final worship song. If you guys feel the need that you need to leave, I know I went a little long today. But I just want to open up the, the front of these altars. And if there's something that maybe there's just something that God wants you to do. And you've kind of just been kind of feel like you've been at a standstill. You, you've been in this place where it just seems like, you know, you, you want to do it. But it just seems like you're, you're hitting obstacles and you've kind of just put it on the shelf or, there, or there's just a way that you wanted to step up God has something burning in your heart whatever it is I would just encourage you to just step up in the front and I, I just want to pray with you and I just want to just kind of just lay hands on you and just affirm that in this season that, that God wants to bring things out of you God wants to do things in you and through you. And he can do exceedingly, abundantly more than you could ever dream of or imagine. You don't have to have it figured out of like, how am I going to do it? How am I going to get the money? Who are the people? Who do I got to convince to help me? That, that, no. Just by faith, God, I'm stepping out. I'm going to do what you called me to do. No more regrets. No more regrets. I'm not going to be a slave to fear. I'm not going to be a slave to insecurities. I'm going to take everything that God put in me. And just like a, a towel, you know, you, you get a, a wet wash rag and you just wring every drop. At the end of my life, I want to just have every drop, every drop wrung out. Amen. I want to receive what you have for us. We want to receive what you have for us. Cleanse our minds, cleanse our hearts, so that we can get closer to you, so that we can get closer. Oh, one thing I ask from you, one thing I ask from Father, let your rain come down, let your rain come down, let it rain on us, let it rain.
Make a way for me. You're the way maker, miracle worker. You're the promise keeper. You're the one we see. When he told you you're not good enough. When he told you you're not right. When he told you you're not strong enough to put up a good fight. When he told you you're not worthy, when he told you you're not loved, when he told you you're not beautiful, that you'll never be enough. Let your fire fall to cast out all my fears. 
Open 
tonight we got two birthdays in the building tonight if we could just sing happy birthday Ken Bean and Jalen Clark if we can give her uh, it's a clap and just sing happy birthday happy birthday guys we appreciate everything you guys do for us especially you Jalen and Ken Ken I appreciate you so much for taking them in and doing and allowing them to get to work and sparing your time Jalen I thank you so much for the time that you use in the sound booth to help us with the sound. And we thank you so much as a church and as a family. And we just want to say happy birthday to you. So thank you and happy birthday. And I uh, just pray a special blessing upon your lives both. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for both of them, God's Lord. And I thank you so much for this service. So Father, I ask that you just allow us to leave with, with the message today, Lord. Let us not store up all our talents for ourselves, Father. Let us not store up all the gifts that you give us for ourselves, Lord. But allow us to be a blessing to others, Father. Allow us to share the gifts that you have given us, Lord, so that we can receive what you have for us. So, Father, I thank you for allowing us all to have a talent and that's for us all having a gift, Lord. And allow us to use it for you and you only. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen.
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
That's where I didn't make. 